Open mine eyes that I may see Glimpses of truth thou hast for me Open mine eyes, illumine me Spirit divine Love of my life, I am crying I am not dying, I am dancing Dancing along in the madness There is no sadness like to invite you to a soul-level encounter. Music has an incredible ability to proclaim the soul's language beyond what mere words can speak. That's what we seek as we invite our guests to share their song of the soul. You will hear the music that has charted the steps of their spiritual journey, that has provided a touchstone in the soul's dark night and sung the heart's awe and joy when come to the light. Over the next hour, you will be a witness and companion to our guests' spiritual path and sacred testimony. Welcome to Song of the Soul. Today for Song of the Soul, we have a very talented singer-songwriter with a bit more. Bill Harley is also a wonderful storyteller. He's produced some 30 recordings over the three decades he's been performing, so we can only scratch the surface with today's interview. Still, we'll hear some of the power of his music and some of the humor, a noteworthy part of any Bill Harley performance. We'll go to the phone now to join Bill Harley on his home turf of Massachusetts. Bill, it's wonderful to have you here for Song of the Soul. It's great to be here. I think when people think of Bill Harley, one of the things they think of is that storytelling that you do, which is so wonderful, so delightful, it's fun, it's deep. Is that again from the origin? I mean, did you do your long stories back then too? I had a couple stories that I told when I was working with kids, and they were shorter ones. I think really maybe the first story I told a lot was Pete Seeger's Yo-Yo, which I still do every now and again. Then when I did it, something happened. It was noticeable that it was and interesting to me that children and, and people responded in a different way. And I think I was always attracted to performers who put their songs in a context and talked about their work rather than just went from one song to another. So, you know, people like like Arlo Guthrie, who people did monologues before and after, not to say, now this song is about, but actually thought through how the spoken word fed into music and then the music was followed by spoken word. That, that dynamic has always been really interesting to me. And it seems to be more the way, from my perspective, that culture has always really worked, that song and story and dance for that matter, although I, I, I don't do that. 
those, those things have always gone together, and that was always interesting to me. Well, then let's do that with your Song of the Soul today. We want to put your songs in context. Start us out for your Song of the Soul. Which one's first? Why don't we go, uh, let's do Half a Loaf. That's a good place to start. I know we were talking earlier, and I, I, had, I had said that the song's a reminder to me as much as it is to the people listening in the room that you can <laughs> you can chase after things and not pay attention to what's in front of you. So it's, it's, I, I write as much for myself as I do for others. We'll listen to it and talk more about it afterwards. This is Half a Loaf by Bill Harley. Some people are always hungry always wanting more As soon as they get to where they want to be They're looking at the door Now I know all about the hunger That wakes you up at night I've been hungry for so long That I'm losing my appetite Talk about the whole loaf They tell you that's what you need But I've been thinking half a loaf Half a loaf's enough for me Half a loaf's enough for me Now you can sail across the deep blue sea Search to foreign lands Never notice treasure you hold right in your own two hands I was lost and all alone and I went down on my knees looking for the difference between what I want and what I really need told me it's the whole load told me that's what I need I've been thinking half a loaf, half a loaf's enough for me, yeah, half a loaf's enough for me. How much is enough? How you gonna decide? When it gets too noisy to hear, I take a walk outside. It's gotta roam when the times get tough. God bless the man who leaves it alone. He sees that he's got enough. Talk about the whole loaf. Maybe that's what they need. But just give me half a loaf. Half a loaf's enough for me. Half a loaf's enough for me Bill Harley's Half a Loaf 
So half a loaf, you know, when I heard that phrase, and I, I grew up in a family of 12 kids, good Catholic family, right? I have no issues with food not being good enough. I had a friend who has two siblings. Their mother made them individual meals each night because they didn't like the same thing. So half a loaf always seemed like a great thing to me that I could get half a loaf. Wow, how lucky could I be? What inspired this one for you? I'm conscious that there's a part of me that always wants more. It's kind of a, the worm in the human condition that you would think that this is, okay, if I could just get this, that's all I really want, and then you get it, and your mind immediately starts working towards something else. And for me, that song is really much about finding that balance between thinking forward but also being aware of what's present in the moment. You know, it's interesting you said that about that growing up, because I often refer to an author, a woman named Ruby Payne, who's written a lot about poverty, and she says that, there are questions that different classes of people ask about everything, and she uses food as an example. And she says, real working class people and an immigrant culture, the question that they ask, which is one you would ask, is, is there enough? It's not about whether it tastes, what, what it tastes like. And the, the middle class question is, did it taste good? And the upper class question is, how was it presented? So if you think about where you came from or the kind of restaurants that people go to, those questions apply to every one of those things. When my, my older son was in high school, he went to Costa Rica for the summer through connections we had through our meeting, uh, our Quaker meeting, and he was down in Monteverde. He lived with a, a farm family down there for most of the summer, and he came back fluent in Spanish, which was what we were hoping for, that he'd be conversant in another language. But I'll never forget the first night back at the dinner table. He sat there, and he, he just fell silent and looked up at us and said, we have so much. That's definitely informed the rest of his life. Ever since then, he's, he's been aware of that. So it's kind of what you want people to carry that, that awareness. So give us another song to move us on your Song of the Soul path. Well, I think it might make sense just to go on to one that's actually got a similar message, but it's a slightly more political, which is Enough is a Feast. After I had written that song, I was, I was in the Bay Area and staying with Nancy Schimmel, who's Melvina Reynolds' daughter. And I sang that song for her. I had just finished it, and she laughed, and she said, that reminds me of what my mom used to say, which is, Enough is a Feast. So I made a note of that in the notebook, and I was thinking about that. I liked that so much, and thinking very much about Malvina Reynolds, who I'm sure a lot of your listeners know. She wrote Little Boxes and Turn Around, and just, I mean, just a great, great songwriter, but very simple and straightforward song. So I said, well, I'm going to use that phrase and write a Malvina Reynolds-like song, kind of a, a three-chord wonder. Like Malvina, it's a little more pointed politically in the sense that they that kind of belief ought to lead into some kind of action. And it's really, I wrote that song, oh gosh, I probably wrote it 10 years ago in the middle of discussions about tax cuts, rich folks saying we can't really afford not to have these tax cuts, which is evidently a common, <laughs> a very popular thing. I, I, as a songwriter, you, you write a song, you think, okay, I've taken care of that, and I didn't take care of it at all, it's still here. So it's, it's a kind of a subtle shift, and it seems like a good way to follow from Half a Loaf. Enough is a feast, Bill Harley. I sat at the table, I ate my meal, I asked my stomach, how do you feel? It told me I'm full, I said, are you sure? It said you'll get fat if you eat anymore. Enough is a feast, enough is a feast, take what you need, save some for the least. 
save some for the least that stand at the door. Enough is a feast you don't need anymore. I swear that it's wrong. I think it ain't right that a billion folks go to bed hungry each night. Some scrounge at the bottom, some lounge at the top. I think it's crazy. I wish it would stop. Some folks drive round in big Cadillacs, while others walk around with just a shirt on their backs. Some live in mansions. Some live in huts. When aliens visit, they must think we're all nuts. Enough is a feast. Enough is a feast. Take what you need. Save some for the least. Save some for the least. That stand at the door. Enough is a feast. You don't need anymore. President says the economy's slack, so they've got to give rich people their money back. But I smell a rat. I know a scam. What kind of a dummy does he think I am? Enough is a feast. Enough is a feast. Take what you need. Save some for the least. Save some for the least. That stand at the door. Enough is a feast. You don't need any more. I'd just make a big pile out of all these damn things. All we'd have left were ourselves and our names. We'd all shake hands, start over again. I might be a liberal, I've been called that before. Maybe a pinko, I'm not really sure. I don't really know, I don't really care. I just haven't. Think we ought to share. Some people work, some people don't. Some people share, some people won't. Some folks have nothing, some have it all. But we're all stuck together on this little blue ball. Enough is a feast. Enough is a feast. Take what you need. Save some for the least. Save some for the least that stand at the door. Enough is a feast you don't need anymore. Enough is a feast. Enough is a feast. Take what you need. Save some for the least. Save some for the least that stand at the door. Enough is a feast you don't need anymore. True, how true. Enough is a feast. Bill Harley, his website is billharley.com or follow the link from my northernspiritradio.org. That song has left me hungry for some more of your music, Bill. So let's turn right around and do another song right away. What do you got for us next? 
Well, why don't we uh, shift gears a little bit here? And you know, a lot of my work is with kids, and the thing maybe we could do, Dad threw the TV out the window. It's a song I wrote a number of years ago. It was really quite early when I was I just really started writing for kids. The first verse is actually refers to something that a friend of mine did related to the behavior of his teenage son. And when he told me that he did that, I said, it's okay, Michael, it's going to make a great song. I use that first incident as a jumping off point to talk about television and media generally. And it still pretty much holds true, although we have many more devious ways to keep ourselves occupied today. Dad threw the TV out the window. It was in the morning, a sunny Saturday. I turned on the TV and on the couch I lay. I watched my favorite program and another two or three When my dad came in the room and said these words to me Son, turn off the TV, there's lots of things to do Your bed's not made, the chores aren't done, the sun is shining too I said, Dad, I'm busy, I gotta watch this show I guess I should've listened, but how was I to know? Cause then he walked across the room and then he pulled the plug He lifted up the television, he skipped across the rug He opened up the window and then I said, Dad, no! He gave the thing a heave and I watched the TV go Oh, Dad threw the TV out the window The window I think he's finally cracked Dad threw the TV out the window I got a feeling that it isn't coming back I saw it go when I heard the crash I knew that things at our house would soon be changing fast My dad looked out the window and he mumbled my oh my My brother looked out too and said I'm gonna die And that night after dinner when we went to watch the set All I found was nothing I said how could I forget My brother fell down on the floor and moaned, what will I do? I said, why don't you move away? He said, the same to you. But then he told a joke, and I told two or three. And the one about the elephants made Dad fall on his knees. My mom did her impression of a duck that couldn't fly, that would have made you wet your pants and maybe even cry. All because Dad threw the TV out the window, the window. I think he finally cracked that through the TV out the window. I got a feeling that it isn't coming back. Well, life without the TV wasn't what I feared. I didn't really miss it, though some friends thought I was weird. I didn't miss commercials and all the blood and guts and all the stupid shows my brother watched that drove me nuts. But then one sunny Saturday, my dad could not be found. I looked high and low, and from his room I heard a sound. I walked into his room to see what it could be. I found my father hiding there, watching a TV. I said, oh, Dad, now really, you ought to be ashamed. He said kind of sheepishly, I just want to watch the game. I picked up the TV, I waltzed across the room. I gave the thing a heave and I waited for the boom. Oh, I threw the TV out the window, the window. I think I finally cracked. I threw the TV out the window. I got a feeling that it isn't coming back. Oh, I threw the TV out the window, the window. I think I finally cracked. I threw the TV out the window. Wow. 
Dad Threw the TV Out the Window, Bill Harley here with us today for Song of the Soul. I'm Mark Helpsmeet. This is Song of the Soul, a Northern Spirit Radio production. Our website is northernspiritradio.org. Come to our site and find links to all our guests, all of the programs from the last almost six years, and please leave us comments when you visit. We like to get to know you, too. So Dad threw the TV out the window, Bill. Did you have a TV in your house? Did you go without TV? What were your rules at home back in the day? Growing up, you know, and I'm a child of the 60s, we had, most of the time, we had one very small television in the living room that didn't, I, I guess it worked adequately, and then it was moved down to the basement for the children, or the reception was even worse. I, I mean, I had, really, I've said in other places, a kind of the victim of a very normal childhood. You know, I would watch television in the evening after my homework was done, I watched Saturday morning cartoons. But I, there was a certain point where the, I just stopped watching it because I was busy doing other things. And I think it's a, it's a much greater challenge today. I, I wrote that song probably 24, 25 years ago now. So it's it's funny that we're in a whole different generation. I never would have conceived when I wrote it. But I think there's still this image of how the media impacts community life and family life and the kids' development. It's a question that needs to be asked. It's all rearguard action, especially as far as being a parent goes, about how much they're going to get access to and what kind of things. But I think it's a, it's, it's a good fight to put up. Did you put up the fight with your kids? Yes. You know, early on, we kind of made a discovery that, like many people, we would turn the television on in the late afternoon when dinner was getting ready and the kids were underfoot, and we found that they were getting crabby. My wife and I made a decision at that point that we were going to try to engage them during that period and find something else for them to do. We didn't have cable, and there was there was no television on this during on school nights. So we would find something else to do, and we'd watch movies on the weekends. So the media diet was pretty limited, and you'd have to ask. They they complained. <laughs> they both of my sons since have said they were glad that we did that. I do find it pretty common in the Quaker homes I've visited that there's either limited or no TV. But I think it's getting so much harder with all the screen time, just checking your email or, you know, just playing on your iPod. I assume those issues are just burgeoning in schools. It's a huge issue, and it's completely overwhelming. One of the things, the realizations I've made is all these programs and the hardware and the software, it's all really, I mean, their mission is to get you to pay more attention to them. That's what they want. There's good content and there's bad content, but there's also the question about how much availability you have. And I think in some ways it's one of the hardest jobs that parents have to do today. If a kid has Internet access and or a television in their room, then the parents, the monitoring thing can't go on anymore. And they, they really don't know what's going on. And I think that's a, that's a huge parental responsibility. And it's much harder now than it used to be. But it's absolutely essential, I think, that, that parents ask that. And, you know, in some ways we were very permissive. I mean, <laughs> Noah went down to Central America when he was 16. We sent him down there on his own. But we, we stick to this television viewing when he was home, which is – and we all laughed about it at that point and said, this doesn't make sense. But I still think it was, it was logical or it was consistent in some weird way. Well, consistency goes a long way towards making it workable, enforceable, uh, if you're consistent as you're working on it. Keep us moving. What song should we go to next, Song of the Soul? Let's do All I Want, which in a way is an adult song. It's a step further along that path. I was just trying to find a way to talk about this kind of influx of information and whether all this information we're confronted with is real or not. And so in the song, I counterpose my interaction with 
computers and, and phones with these things that are real and solid in the world. I think that a lot of poetry today has to do with things and things as metaphors for something else. I mean, real solid things. And I, I say in the song, I lift a chair, a window, a door, a stone, a wound where it heals, a long night alone. And these things that really make up the world as opposed to this kind of buzzing and clicking that we're all, we subject ourselves to. So that was what I'm trying to talk about in that song. I opened up a file, inside there was a file Inside the file there was a file There was a file inside the file There was a file inside the file There was a file that said There's no file found There's no there, there, there's no there, there, there's no there, there The beat of the heart and the wind in the trees And the cry of the hawk, the hiss of the seas The sound of the rain as it finally begins And the trickle of sweat and the smell of her skin The laugh out loud, the hammer, the nail, the river, the sun The catch of the sails All I want, all I want is something real I dial the number for assistance A voice said, please choose from the menu I made a choice, I got a voice I made a choice, I got a voice I got no voice, I got it dial tall There's no there, there, there's no there, there, there's no there, there, there's no there, there The window, the door, the stone The wound where it heals in the long night alone Beat of the drum and the song in the air And the pluck of the string and the truth laid bare The snow, the ice, the leaf as it falls The open door and the road that calls All I want, all I want is something real I fear we lived up to our fears Just running down this hall of mirrors Our thoughts are digitized These little bits that were and wine We try to hold them in our hand They slip away like time, like sand When all's been done and all's been said We end up living in our heads there's no there, there, there's no there, there, there's no there, there, there's no there, there. All I want, all I want, all I want is the cut of the knife and the flower that blooms in the open hand and the pull of the moon. From winter to spring, the growth, the birth, the death, the loss, the groan of the earth, the open hand and the fire that burns and the heart that turns and the heart that turns. All I want, all I want, all I want is something real. 
Wow, that song brings up the frustrations, fears. And sometimes, you know, it's funny. You hear people laughing in the background there. But it's also kind of scary. I mean, the thought that we could get digitized and it feels like so much of our lives is is becoming virtual instead of real. Did you ever worry that the reason you have that concern like that is just because you, like me, are an old fogey that, you know, the kids, they're all going with it so easily. And, you know, and a, a five-year-old can run an iPhone just fine, but we're struggling. I think about that an awful lot. And I don't, I mean, yeah, I am, I have a position somewhat, you know, as a old fogey or elder now, and I'm frustrated I think the question is still worth asking, and I, I, I know I've been on the library board in our town, and the head librarian says, you know, I, it's her perception that kids' brains are different. We're thinking in a different way, but I think the, the, the notion of what a story is, how people's brains work, there's a consistency there. And I, I was in a discussion with a kid. I was talking about being outside or doing something more analog as opposed to digital, and I said, after you sit at the computer for an hour and a half, how does it feel when you get up? Because that's that's kind of the question I ask myself, my conscious when I'm doing these things and how do I feel after I've done them. For me, there's a kind of hints of addiction in our continued paying attention to this kind of digital stream of media that we're confronted with. That said, I don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. I think we have to pay attention. And I don't have an answer to that. It's, I think it's a really important question. As an artist, it's really hard, too, because the whole nature of music and access to audience and what people are, how people are spending their time, it's changed radically in the past 10 years. And you see it in the kinds of work you're doing and the amount of work you're doing and how people are getting access to your work. So I spend a lot of time wrestling with those issues. I commend you in doing the wrestling, and I think it's necessary for us in order to go consciously forward. Got more music for us? Yeah, I do. Let's do It's a Long Way. It's a song I wrote. It's on one of my family albums, I Want to Play. And I wrote it I wrote on one Martin Luther King's birthday. And I have, we, didn't, we haven't played any music off this, but I produced an album, I don't know, 15 or 20 years ago, of freedom songs from the Civil Rights Movement. And we had a lot of the original people who sang on it. Guy Carawan's on it, and Chuck Nevlett and Betty Mae Fikes, who were in the Freedom Singers. I, I put all these people in a room. It really kind of grew out of a party that we have in my house every year on Martin Luther King's birthday, in which I invite everybody I can who sings and wants to. And we sing a lot of these songs that were used in the Freedom Movement, and then a bunch of other ones, too. And this song is an original song, but it kind of grew out of my feelings about that day. And also really has ended up kind of begging the question about people coming to this country today. There's some of that in here. It's a long way. Bill Harley. I've been thinking about the people that came before. It's a long, long way. Mothers and fathers from a distant shore. It's a long, long way. Some came for freedom, some came for land. It's a long, long way. Some came out in shackled hand in hand. behind us it's a long way with many more to go it's a long way till tomorrow finds us it's a long long way yeah it's a long long way came with dreams of power some came with dreams of gold it's a long 
Some came with whatever their two hands could hold It's a long, long way No matter when you got here and no matter how It's a long, long way We're all in the same boat now by yourself It's a long, long way If you wanna go you gotta take somebody else It's a long, long way It's a long, hard road It's a steep, hard climb It's a long, long way Reach back your hand Don't leave anyone behind It's a long, long way Yeah many miles behind us with many more to go till tomorrow finds us when I was a boy once I heard a man it's a long said he had a dream about the promised land It's a long, long way He said I may not get there, neither may you It's a long, long way But our children's children may see it come true It's a long, long way Yeah It's a long, long way We're many miles behind us It's a That's from Down in the Backpack, one of the collections of music by Bill Harley. It's called It's a Long Way. Immigration, you know, having a dream. What's the atmosphere like out in Massachusetts? Uh, certainly, I think that much of the country has some idea what it's like here in Wisconsin because we've been stealing a lot of headlines over the last couple months. What's it like in Massachusetts? I don't know. I... It's always the best of times and the worst of times. That's what, it, that's what it, it feels a little bit like to me. I think in terms of immigration, there's still people we're wrestling with a bunch of different issues. It's similar issues that I think everybody is. We're not on the front lines so much as you know people in border states, but we're conscious of it that something has to happen. As far as the other issues go, I, I'm, I mean, I've kind of talked about in my songs about what are equal distribution, and I just 
astounded at when I see the distribution of wealth, what's happened in the past 30 years. I mean, I, w- I was talking about it 30 years ago, concerned about 30 years ago, but I just feel like we've just kind of lost sense. There was a sense of some kind of golden mean or something that we, we had, and I, I think we've lost track of that. One of the things I've loved about my work is that most of my work is not political in the sense when I'm, I'm outspoken. When I stand on stage and say something that's political, it's usually because I can't help myself. I think that's kind of, you know, none of the prophets really wanted to say what they had to say. They said, you know, can't you get somebody else to do this? And the answer in the end was, no, I guess I'm going to be the one who has to do that. And my role mostly on stage is to talk about what we have in common. And my audiences, by and large, are family audiences. And so one of the things that I've enjoyed about my work is I really do see all stripes of people. And I'm trying to find a way to remind people what they have in common, regardless of their politics. Now, I could argue and would that underneath, if you look underneath even my really humorous songs, there's usually there's a subtext there. But a lot of times, these are problems of language and not enough talking rather than things that we are absolutely different on. There's some, you know, there are conflicts, but I'm really more interested in saying, do you feel this? Does this happen to you? Because it happens to me. And like I said, I've been all over the country and I've worked in a lot of venues where people are really different from me, but I'm mostly reaffirmed that there's great commonality if we could find a way to have that discussion more openly. I think your stories do that really well. And partly it's because you work with humor so often Everybody loves a good joke, and and they can all laugh at themselves through your stories. And so I I just feel bad that today we don't have time to share a full-length story of Bill Harley. If people wanted to get a sample of one, how would they do that? On my webpage, there's a uh, radio, and I think there's usually a story or two on there that they can listen to, as well as the songs that are there. It's always one of the great challenges for me because I, I like both of them so much to try to figure out how to do that. And my stories tend to be long. They're, I think it was Garrison Keillor said, you know, humor is comedy in slow motion. And that it's really more about, my, my stories are really more about human condition. And uh, if you take a certain perspective on it, we're pretty funny. <laughs> we're not. We're, I have a song that is not recorded called semi-intelligent design. I, I think that we are. And so that a lot of my work in stories is kind of pointing out that weird irony that the things of what we say we do and what we do are two different things and, and what's that about. Were you raised Quaker or did you come to that as an adult as I did? I, I started going to Quaker meeting when I was in college and wrestling with the issues of war and peace. I was at the very end of the draft era. And so I, I was trying to think about that stuff. And I was at that point, I just was pretty clear that I didn't like the Vietnam War. And I was trying to understand what my position was on it. But I was raised mainstream Methodist. That was my background. And I've been going to, so I started to go to Quaker meeting in small, real small meeting in, uh, in New York State. And your background with music, were you one of those people, maybe in your choir at uh, church or in school? I was not in the choir, and I would have done, when I was growing up, I can assure you, I would have done anything I could to keep from going to church if I had, if I could find a way. (laughs) I, um... When I was a kid growing up, I took piano lessons. Then I played trumpet in junior high school and high school band and started playing piano again just before I went to college and ended up just getting some really great instruction in jazz, actually composition and harmony on piano, and then started to play guitar when I went to college and got interested in folk and traditional music and also the folklore and, and, and oral traditions. So that's kind of 
deeply uh, at that point to really deeply influenced by Pete Seeger. And I think Pete has an amazing insight about what the nature and function of music is. And uh, if you asked him, he would not first call himself a songwriter. He would call himself a song leader. If you're lucky enough to him, then you know that that's really what he does in a concert is he finds a way to get the people to participate. And that notion of what the cultural function of music is, like this, all the songs we've played today, they're singer-songwriters, maybe in a long way, obviously, to sing along too, but they're language-laden and they're me-thinking. But mostly music is an expression of community. And I learned that from Pete and other folks early on, and that's in my performance that is very much part of what the performance is about, is me trying to build a community there in a space in the hour or so that we have together. Yeah, our hour's winding along here, too. Time to include another tune. What do you got? Yeah, the next song is Where Am I From, which is, I had the idea for it, as you'll hear when I was driving in the car someplace. Spent too much time in the car with myself. I was looking out the window and thinking about where I fit in this whole place, and it's really about the interconnection between all of us and all the things in the universe. Boy, that sounds pretty broad, doesn't it? But it starts out commenting on the fact that, you know, the car is from Japanese company. It's kind of this <laughs> global trading thing going on, but it becomes this musing on how we're all just mixed up and really uh, we're just kind of part of the stream that's, that's been going on for a long time. I'm out on the highway late at night couple more hours to go Crossing over the Jersey line To some place I don't know I was born in Ohio Raised in Indiana New England's now my home I was just in Missouri By way of Montana Think I'm about going to Rome I've been to Rio de Janeiro I've been to Sarajevo I've been to Mexico And next week I'm going to Northern California For a couple of days or so I've left something behind me Every place I've ever been I carry something inside of me From everything I've ever seen Where am I from? Where am I going? 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 I'm driving a car made in Ohio by a company from Japan While I listen to a CD of a singer from Bahia Playing in a samba band He is playing a guitar plugged in an amplifier Made in Mexico He is using some licks from a man from Mississippi That moved to Chicago While I'm eating some grapes I'm grown in Chile Drinking water from the south of France And I'm wearing some shoes made in China and maybe some Malaysian pants and outside my car window a quarter moon is on the rise Orion's belt is a trio of stars hanging in the southern sky where am I from where am I going where am I from where am I going where am I from where am I going where am I from where am I going
father's great grandfather left Germany Cause he didn't want to fight their wars And my mother's side came from England and Scotland My grandma was a D.A.R. My great grandfather left Ohio For the gold rush of 49 There was talk of a woman in the family She didn't have skin like mine I married into a family from Eastern Europe They came through Ellis Island And the woman that I loved born in Brooklyn She lived there just a little while So my children have the blood of the pogroms running through them The blood of the Ku Klux Klan I see a little bit of me when I look in their eyes But I'm not sure who I am Where am I from? Where am I going? 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 Where am I from? Where am I from? Where am I going? So we were born when the whole thing started Made from the stuff of stars Shot across the darkness in a cosmic ray Till we ended up where we are Born from ashes, headed towards dust Set free on the wind Spinning around in a great big circle Till we come back here again And I'm out on the highway Late at night With a couple more hours to go I take a look in the rearview mirror See where I should go I'm just passing through Part of the dance Feeling like I'm running late Only here for a breath A moment Not enough time to hate where am I from? Where am I going? 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 Where am I going? more Bill Harley music on the human condition. Where am I from? You mentioned in the song, by the way, Sarajevo. You've been there? Yeah, I uh, spent some time in Sarajevo. I got interested towards the end of that, maybe in 93 or 94, after this war had been going on for a long time, and Sarajevo was under siege. I said, I just need to try to understand what's going on there. And then I became interested in this ethnic hatred that was going on there, was worse than anything we've been through here. But by and large, the Croats and the Muslims and the Serbs, it wasn't ethnicity. It was, it was the decided ethnicity on the part of the people there. I mean, people became Muslims in what was Yugoslavia during the Ottoman Empire so that they could maintain their position in society. So it was a conscious decision, that ethnic decision. And whether they went to the Roman Catholic Church or the Orthodox Church, it was, and they all really came from the same stock, yet they were capable of doing these horrible things. So I got interested in that, read a book by uh, Tom Jelton, NPR correspondent, about the newspaper in Sarajevo that continued to print through the war. I actually have written a play about that paper about because they were committed to a multi-ethnic, multi-religious, multi-party state, and they printed in both Cyrillic and Roman. They were torn apart by the war, and so I wanted, I thought that would be a good prism for us to think about who we are. So I went over there and spent some time and met a bunch of the people who were in Sarajevo during the siege. And that's, the place is 
still on, it's been almost produced three or four times and I'm actually kind of editing it again now to try to get it out there but it's something I've kind of worked on for 15 years they're heavy issues and fortunately with your music so often you approach it with a humorous side and I guess some issues maybe just can't be dealt with that way but I think we've got time for one more song can you send us off with something inspirational I'm hoping yeah, I think so. I thought we, I'd leave you with this. This is a song, it's called Everything is Music, and I, I've become aware as a storyteller musician that there's just a rhythm and that there is music in everything. In my better moments, I'm present in that. And so I wanted to talk about that. And one of the great things I like about working in kids' music is I'm allowed to dabble in a lot of different forms. Mostly you've kind of heard folk-based thing, but this song is actually based on an Afro-Peruvian rhythm called Lando, which is a six-beat cell of two measures of three. And I was listening to a lot of it when I was working on this album, and so I wanted to write that song. So I actually used a Lando rhythm, and then I think I used a chord progression from a Marshall Crenshaw tune, if I remember <laughs> correctly when I was working on it. There's a progression from the major to the, it goes up a step and a half to the minor third, becomes a new major for a while and back down. So it was, it was really an experiment in a lot of different things, but also trying to say that if we take the time, we're going to hear this kind of music of the spheres or whatever in, in almost everything we do. It's true. Everything is music. Listen to the wind in the trees The rush of the breeze as it whispers inside Listen to the cars in the street Footsteps and feet as people pass by Listen to the roar of the crowd Or the laughing out loud The kids as they play Listen to the rain as it falls the lone bird that calls at the end of the day. Everything is music. Everything is music. Everything is music to me. There's music in the stars as they spin. The day that begins quiet sunrise There's music in the world as it turns The fire that burns into embers and dies There's music in the river that runs Where it's begun till it ends in the sea There's music in the waves on the shore They crash and they roar and sing out to me Everything is music, everything is music,
Once you hear the world as it sings And all that it brings Then nothing's the same Once you find that we all belong To one great big song It always remains Once you hear the river of time The rhythm and rhyme in you and in me Then you know the beat of your heart has its own part in this big symphony. Everything is music. Everything is music. Everything is music to me. Everything is music. Everything is music. Everything is music. with Bill. Bill Harley's song, Everything is Music. We've been sharing his song of the soul. You got it there in that last song, and I think when we're conscious of that music and everything, maybe a lot of these struggles, the differences, the the fears that we were talking about earlier, they can kind of be washed away in a, a bigger picture scene. And I really appreciate you bringing that to us today, Bill. And I really enjoyed that you shared your Song of the Soul with us. Thank you. It's been my pleasure. That was Bill Harley, website billharley.com, or follow the link from northernspiritradio.org and find treasure troves of great music and story. The theme music for Song of the Soul is by Chris Williamson, and it's called Song of the Soul. My name is Mark Helpsmeet, and this is a Northern Spirit Radio production. You can listen to this program again, track down the list of songs included, and a whole lot more on my website, northernspiritradio.org. And I invite you to share your Song of the Soul with my listeners. Just contact me via my website. And please, join me weekly for Song of the Soul. You can be happy.